Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. Thanks for joining the podcast of Revival Life Church. We are in a season of listening to God for blessing and breakthrough. In today's service, we talk about how God is trying to draw us out of where we are to where he wants us to be. I pray that you would lean in and listen and allow God to bless you in this season. If you have any testimonies of what God has been doing in your life, we would love to hear them. And if you would email them to amen at revivallifechurch.org, that would be such a blessing to us. God bless you. Let us know if you need anything. Mark chapter 1, starting at verse 14. When we go live with this church, we'll have all these things worked out right now. You're welcome to our extended preview services. Um, Now, after John was taken into custody, Jesus came into, into Galilee preaching the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. Believe the gospel. And he was going along the Sea of Galilee. He saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea for they were fishermen and Jesus said to them follow me and I will have you become fishers of men immediately they left their nets and followed him and going on a little farther he saw James the son of Zebedee and his brother John who were also in the boat mending their nets immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and went away to follow Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Mike. Hallelujah. 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 Good morning, church. Wonderful to be with you. I promise not to do that with the speaker too many more times today, but you know, these things happen at times. I don't know if you've noticed. I don't know if you've felt in the spirit. If you're part of this church, you probably have. God is calling and he's drawing and he's pulling. I've talked about this for several weeks in a row now. I've felt this great, great call of the Lord to be with him in an unqualified, unmitigated way. I, 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 I sense in the spirit this drawing to be with Jesus. And uh, we want in this church, we want to respond to that. We want to respond to what God is saying and what God is doing. And so we're in our message series, I'm Listening, Hearing God for Breakthrough and Blessing. Could anybody use a breakthrough in their life today? I feel like I could use a couple breakthroughs, and I would take a couple sides of blessing as well. I could take the blessing and the breakthrough of God in my life. Uh, I like to to be widely, I think, make sure all the other mics are muted. I think that's probably what it might be coming. It may not. Who knows? It may just be me and uh, how my mic is placed. Who knows? We'll figure this out, though. I'm I'm, I'm positive we will. we've, We've talked a lot about how the world is naturally searching for God, even when they don't know it. The, the, the world is created to be in fellowship with God and his church. We have a natural inclination to be connected to other people. God created us that way because God created us within the community of the Trinity. God is in community and we have a natural need to be in community. And, and we've looked at the last several weeks uh, at, at what would our self-branded atheist churches. Now, if you're a guest with us today, I'm not bad-mouthing any other Christians. These are literally what there's groups of atheists who gather together for Sunday morning services, uh, and they have church. And it, and it can sound silly if you're not used to it and you haven't really studied the sociology of it, but it makes absolute sense. There's a professor in Purdue, her name is uh, Jackie Frost, and she's a sociologist, and she did a three-year study of these atheist churches. She wrote a book about it, but she also put out a, a lengthy article on CBS News. And she talked about how these churches get together and they they sing songs together. They have testimony services of good things going on in their lives. Um, they have giving. They have teaching. Uh, they foster community. Uh, but they, they, um, they admit that they model themselves on the church. And the reason is because it works. 
And it does work. It works. It meets the natural need of what we have. But here's what I found fascinating about these secular gatherings. As, as this um, researcher put together this article and I was reading it, I, 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 was, I was shocked. And in this long article, she writes, um, oh, that's not it. There's a graphic that you, my first graphic there should be in the message up on there. It just be in there. If it's not, we'll go on. Here it goes. You can't read that probably that well, but the very, in the middle of the article, there's a subheading and it says, testimonies, sing-alongs, but nothing supernatural. Testimonies, sing-along, but nothing supernatural. At least they're honest, right? At least they're honest, unlike some churches today that have the same. They have testimonies, they have sing-along, but nothing supernatural is happening. We were created to be in fellowship with one another because God is uniquely present in our gathering. And there is a supernatural aspect in the church that you cannot get anywhere else in the world. This is supposed to be the defining characteristic of the church, the presence of God. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22, it's, he's, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus that in Jesus, we are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. This is, this is how Paul was describing the church in Ephesus. He didn't say, hey, you're going to get together and you guys are going to uh, do a bunch of good works together. No, no, no. He, he didn't say you're going to get together and you're just going to meet some good friends and that, that's going to be enough. Or, or you're going to get together and you're going to learn this book that I'm writing you right now even though I didn't know this was going to be a book. It's just a letter to you. But in the future, they're going to think that this is the very Word of God and you're going to study it. And Paul's like, no, no, no. That's not the purpose. The purpose is that you gather together because Jesus is creating a place that His Spirit can dwell. That's the church. It's a plurality. It's a, never a singular item. It's not like uh, just you and the Bible are the church. No, we together are the church and Jesus is crafting us together so His Spirit can be in the midst of it. Now, when the Spirit is in the midst of the church, you start doing good works. You, you, you start helping the poor. You start being generous with your finances. You start caring about one another. But that's all going to be a product of the Holy Ghost dwelling in the midst of the church. And what the atheists do not understand is that we are pre- wired to care for one another. We're pre-wired to carry one another's burdens. That we are predestined. God has created us to actually want to do good in the world. We have this need within us to have a purpose bigger than ourselves. And God says, listen, I've given you that desire because I want to meet that desire through the church. And you can get a feeling of that by joining uh, the, the bowling league or, 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 or being part of the carpool at your children's elementary school, but you will never fulfill the purpose of God without the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And there's so many churches today, unfortunately, that have the gathering. You wouldn't know them any different than the atheist churches. There's no heart transformation. There's no spirit activity. There's no miracles. There's no breakthrough. It's just... We gather around a book and we study it. You might as well be in university having a history lesson. But we're not here for a history lesson, amen? I'm here for a future lesson. I'm preparing for what God wants to do in the future. I hear people all the time, I say, oh, no, no, I'm a Christian. I'm like, really? You're, you're a Christian? Wow, that's, that's awesome. What, what's God been telling you? Oh, I, well, I don't know. Well, you're, I mean, you're a Christian. That means you're a little Christ. That means you've been anointed with the Spirit. What is God telling you? If you're a Christian, you should be able to hear the one who you have named yourself after. We, we, we should be able to do that. You're a follower of Jesus. I hear, oh, you're a follower of Jesus. That's great. Where is he leading you? Uh, these are questions that Christians should be able to answer. Amen. We, we should know that God is actually speaking to me and he's actually leading me somewhere. This is not supposed to be a conundrum. It's supposed to be a benefit of being a child of God. I'm connected to the Holy One and He's leading me into a new place. But if you're not hearing God or have a sense of His leading by His Spirit, this is not a point of shame in your life. But I believe it is an invitation from God in this season. Hear me, I believe that in this season, God is 
giving people direction. I believe He's giving people guidance. I believe that He's awakening our spirit to hear His voice. We are in a season of breakthrough and blessing in which we have not seen in a long time. And I, I want to tell you this much. God is drawing us out of life without the supernatural. If you felt like you have been grinding, come on, if you've been grinding on your own, I believe that God wants to come in and anoint your efforts in this season so that you could see the supernatural move of God begin to take place in your life. Amen? I, 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 um, I, I make no apologies today. Uh, if, if you love to go to a church service and have the pastor tell you how terrible you are and how wicked you are and how lucky you are that you're not going to hell right now, you're going to be disappointed today because that's not what I'm here to tell you. If you, want, if you want to hear about how God does want to bless some people, but it's very hard for Him to bless you in particular, you're at the wrong church today. Today we're at the church where God is going to awaken in you a desire to know God's blessing in your life, to see God's breakthrough in your life. I am tired of coming against the same walls, and I feel like God is telling me, tell the people I want to enter into their lives and bring breakthrough and blessing, and I am going to be obedient to that word this week. The, the truth is, everybody worships something. Everybody, everybody worships something. Uh, there was a season <clears throat> many years ago, uh, I was uh, counseling a woman, uh, my wife and I uh, knew someone, and she was in a, she was in a, not a great marriage, but she was a, she had gotten saved after she had gotten married, and uh, marriage was rough. It was going really rough. Her husband called himself an atheist. Really, he was just mean. And so he's kind of mocking his wife's faith. And she was faithful to God and she was going to church and she was believing God for breakthrough. And uh, she would just press into Jesus. And he was very stingy. Didn't want her giving any money. Uh, didn't want her to serve with time. And, and uh, after many years, long, long time, she found out that he was unfaithful to her. And she felt in her heart, this was a release. Like God was like, get out of this. This is like, that's, that's the end of it. And I remember talking to her and saying, hey, you know, how are you doing? Now, I'm, as a pastor, I'm not necessarily pro-divorce, if I could just be honest with you, right? I, mean, I don't think, I don't, know, I don't know that anybody is, right? Nobody's pro-divorce unless you're in something really bad. And then you're like, it, the divorce is better than that, right? Like that's, that's bad, right? Uh, uh, people say that God hates divorce and there's never a time for divorce. And that's great until you read that Israel was unfaithful and God wrote in His Word that He divorced Israel. Uh, so, you know, I, it's kind of, we, we do kind of funny things with the Bible. We just pick out what we want. Um, and so if you're in a bad marriage that's been abusive or whatever, I'm not putting law on you. Um, if you have been divorced, I'm no shame on you. I know that God wants to heal things, but not everybody wants to be healed. And I believe you can be as sick as you want to be. Or is healed. Right? So, so this, unfortunately, uh, this wound up in divorce. She doesn't say unfortunately. Right? She, she was very fortunate. And I remember talking to her saying, hey, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. You know, how, how are you doing with this? She goes, listen, I, I, feel, I feel free now. She said, he, he called himself an atheist, but it's not true. He worshiped sex and he worshiped money. Those were his gods. And now I'm free of those to worship my living God. And, and I, this, this revelation came to her, came to me that this was this woman, she was not dealing with an atheist at all because he absolutely worshipped something. It just wasn't the right something. And he worshipped something that destroyed his marriage, broke his family, but his wife is now flourishing with God. Can you say amen? Now again, I'm, if, you're in a, if you're like, oh, amen, amen, amen. You, now if, you're, if your life, if your marriage isn't going well, this is not Carl saying, you know, just go further. Eh, you know, online, you know, you, you ask, hey, my husband doesn't clean up in the bathroom. Divorce him. You know, that's like online. It's like, ghost him. My boyfriend didn't give me the flowers. I like, ghost him. To block him from all social media. Like, we got to be more mature than that. Like, I don't want to go down that road. But, <clears throat> but everybody worships something. Our desperate desire to control our lives causes us to worship false gods without even knowing it. And I talk about this in South Florida. There are, there are three gods over this region. And I'm almost convinced that they sit in a council above South Florida. It's the God of youth, the God of beauty, and the God of wealth. Because if you live in South Florida, you will immediately discover that you can never be young enough, you can never be pretty enough, 
and you can never be rich enough. Tracy and I will go to church conferences in other parts of the country and immediately notice that the women don't have their nails done or people don't go to breakfast with their full makeup and hair done. Like people just go to the store. They just wake up and go to the store. And, it's, and, and they're not, they don't look like they're going somewhere because they're not. It looks, if you've been out of South Florida and you've noticed this, anybody know what I'm talking about? You go somewhere and you're like, they don't, they, why aren't they? Because they have different region, things going on there. In South Florida, you would never do that because there is something over this region that is constantly telling us you're never wealthy enough, you're never young enough, you're never rich enough. And if we do not hear God, if we do not hear the living God, then we will allow that narrative to run our lives. We, we, we don't allow the living God to have control. It's just like godless Christianity. It's, it's people who learn some principles and the right principles that might get them to where they're trying to go. But there has to be in our faith something bigger than just what we can think up. I talk to some people and they're like, well, you know, I never heard God say anything. I, as, as if that's some sort of badge of honor. Like, I don't, I don't know. The, 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 the spirit could be falling on people having their lives absolutely transformed. And someone else would be saying, I never... I never felt that. You know, the, the 30th anniversary of the Toronto Revival was yesterday, and there are people online still saying, ah, that was, that was demons. I went there, I didn't see. I was like, you didn't feel nothing? That's, that's nothing to brag about. There's nothing to brag about that you don't hear God and that you don't sense the presence of God. That's actually an indication that you might need to do something with your life so that you can actually position yourself to hear the living God. This is not something we aspire to and i'm here to tell you in this season if you have been like i want to hear god more you're in the right season god is drawing us out of not hearing his voice god is drawing you out of a place where you're saying i don't know what to do next i'm confused about the next season i'm not sure where i'm supposed to go or what i'm supposed to do i i, I want to be prepared for the future but i, I just I, I don't i don't know what choice i should make we are entering in a season where you will hear god for these decisions that need to be made in your life i'm telling you he's drawing us actively drawing us out of not hearing his voice i want to hear god more now than ever I, 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 want, I want to know. I want to be prepared for the next season. And you can be prepared for the next season because God knows. God knows how to set you up for what's coming. But here, here's what I have found uh, in my walk with God that the challenge, the challenge is not hearing God. The Bible tells us that the creation declares the glory of the Lord. So there's so many courses out there on how to hear God and there's books and all kinds of things. The challenge is not hearing God. The, the, the challenge is listening. That's, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. That's where the, the real discipleship takes place. This, this, this exclusivity of listening is the key to hearing God. Because there's a lot of voices coming at you at the same time. There's, there's a lot of things being said at the same time. Listening to the one voice that brings life is what we need to key on in this next season. And if you study any totalitarian regime, uh, what you'll notice is in North Korea or Eritrea these days, unfortunately, or um, Kazakhstan, is it Kazakhstan? Um, that what they do is they constantly pump propaganda into people's lives so that you're passively hearing things that are not necessarily healthy for you. They're healthy for those trying to control you. You know, in, in, in abusive relationships, there's all these what they call now microaggressions. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The constant little put downs. Maybe not the big ones, but the little insults, the, the little things that make you feel less than you are. They condition you. To live in a place beneath them. And that, that is this mind control that they do. Because when we fall into these patterns of believing these little insults, we lack the discernment on what's happening around us because we think it's normal. We, we lose the ability to filter out lies because we're so used to hearing them that we can't necessarily hear the truth. We're constantly in this world 
bombarded with the message of this world. That you're on your own. You better get ahead. You better grind. You're not going to make it. You better hustle a little bit more. You don't have time to rest. You need to press in and just keep... That's the, that's, that, that's the message of this world. That's not what God is speaking to you. God is trying to draw us out of the world with its sin and corruption, but we have a hard time listening. We, we, we have to purposefully block out the voices of this world to hear God. Hear me again. We have to purposefully block out the voices of this world to hear God. And, and so I want to just for a second, again, the challenge is not hearing God. The challenge is listening to God. I know you know this, but let me just go over it really quickly. When hearing involved is passive, you hear noise all the time. My wife and I were hanging out in the birds. We were just talking. We we're talking louder and louder and louder. And then we're like, why are we yelling? The birds were so loud outside my house. It was like a whole flock outside of my mango tree. We're like, what is happening out there? But we didn't even recognize we were yelling. But we are yelling in our lives over voices. Sometimes we're yelling at the people we love the most when they're not even the ones causing the static in our life. But we have so much internal drama, we don't recognize that we're trying to yell over it to other people because we don't even hear what's going. Hearing is passive. We hear, hear me. Hearing doesn't require any kind of understanding. We just have these voices coming at us. And the, sometimes the most powerful thing we can do is tell somebody, here's what I hear you saying. Is that what you're actually saying? Because hearing doesn't require any understanding at all. It doesn't require any effort on your part. Hearing is passive, so you just sit there and let it happen. And hearing is, is, is a physical process. It's going to hit your eardrums and enter your brain whether you want or to or not. It just happens. And, and hearing is, is non-exclusive. There can be 15 voices happening at the same time and you can't stop any of it happening. It just, it just happens. Now, listening is something different. Listening is active. You have to actually, purposefully, actively listen. When you're having a conversation with your spouse, you can be, you can be hearing. You're, people say this all the time. I know you hear me, but are you listening? You're not listening to what I'm saying. I hear you. No, no. You aren't listening. Because listening is an active tuning in to what's being said. It requires understanding. This is why we read the Word of God so we can understand what God wants to speak to us. Listening requires concentration and focus. I'm going to have to block out some other things. I have to choose. There's so much talk about multitasking these days, but study after study shows that we really can't multitask. All we do is don't do other things well. We can't actually multitask. We can't do four things at once. You stop doing something to do something else. And so what we do is we micro-effort. We don't focus on anything to do well. It's a lie. Listening is a mental process. We have to actually engage our brain. And it's exclusive. We have to actually block out other voices. My wife likes to be a really good listener. She's a therapist. And so she doesn't like to have conversations in the midst of chaos. I'm like, oh, I just keep talking and... She's like, no, 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 I stop. I just, I need, no, we need to stop, get somewhere so I can focus on what you're saying. And what I didn't recognize was I didn't mind not hearing half the conversation. If I could just be honest. Just hearing half the conversation was good enough for me, right? Like, I'm listening to them, I'm talking to you. You're like, you're, you're, I didn't hear. No, we have to, we have to, we have to actively listen to God in this season. I feel like God is drawing us into a season of not, not just, just hearing, but listening. I'm listening. I want, I want God to speak. I, when I sit down with my journal, I do my devotions, and then I just sit there, open my journal, put the date, put my location, and then I say, God, what do you want to speak to me today? I'm listening. This is, this is the first thing I do after I do my devotions, after I do my reading, after I pray through my prayer list, I'm listening. What is it you want to speak to me today? My pen is in my hand. I got my journal because I know it's going to be important and I want to write it down. I'm listening. In Jeremiah chapter 29, so many of us quote 29.11, but there's more to the book than that, believe it or not. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, 
the prophet writes this from God. God is speaking. He says, then you will call upon me and come and pray to me. And I will listen. Hear what God says. And I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will let myself be found by you, declares the Lord. This, this, is, this is what God is calling us into in this season. Can you imagine if God is hearing you but not listening? But He specifically uses the word, I will listen to you. God wants to be found, but we have to listen to where He's calling us out of and where He's calling us to. Listening for God draws us out of this world's epistemological model. It's a fancy word for how you determine truth. Uh, I'm not a conspiracy guy. I don't believe that the world is out to get us or that doctors are scientists. You know, you know that about me. However, my truth starts with the fact that Jesus Christ is resurrected from the dead. My Bible tells me that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of understanding. And I, my, the truth that I believe in my life starts with the fact that I have been saved by a very good God who loves me and has very good things for me. This is the beginning of truth for me. The world wants me to be anxious all the time because who knows what's going to happen in the future. God wants me to know that He actually loves me, has a plan for me, and has things worked out. But I just need to listen and obey His voice. You know what I'm talking about right now. You know, I, I can teach you. There's so many models out there. I can teach you a dozen ways to hear God. But if you listen, if you don't listen to what I teach you, and you don't want to listen to what God says, you're not going to begin to receive the wisdom and instruction that God has for you. But if you will listen, I guarantee you will hear God. I, I can't guarantee that if you don't listen. We have to go past the wisdom of our world. We have to go past the wisdom of this age. and We have to lean into God's voice and hear God's true intention for us. Listen, Satan wants to misrepresent God so we think we have to hide from God. He, he just constantly is ministering condemnation. He's constantly talking about your past. He's constantly talking about where you've come up short. That is not the word that God is speaking over you. God is drawing you into a place of love and prosperity. He is actually drawing you into His place of refuge and rest. God's intentions for us are to prosper us, to give us hope and a future. And if you read this Word, you'll see the benefits of following this Gospel truth. Here's what I want you to know today. God is drawing us out of a poverty mentality. Hear me. He is drawing us out of a mind that thinks that God is going to run out of mercy for us. Oh, church, if I could get anything into your head today, it would be this, that God is drawing us out of a poverty mindset. And I'm not just talking about money. God has plenty of money, number one. God has got plenty of money. Well, then why does He want me to give? Because that is the law of the kingdom. As you sow, you will reap. The world calls it karma. No, no, it's a law of God. The world just stumbled on it. Just like the atheist churches. They stumbled on something that is a law of the kingdom. If you are a jerk to people, you're probably not going to have good friendships. Because you have not sown friendship, you will not reap friendship. That just makes sense. What you sow, you definitely will reap. And this is, this is, this is, this is God is drawing us out of this poverty mentality. That God's going to run out of grace. He's going to run out of love. He's going to run, he's going to run out of patience for you. He's going to, you're, going to, you're going to be on your own. No, 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 no. I'm listening for God's breakthrough and blessing. You, 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 you want breakthrough in your life? Do you want breakthrough into God's promises? You're going to have to leave where you are, though, to go where God has you. You understand, if we want breakthrough, that means that where I'm at is not getting what I need. And I have to actually leave where I am to go where God has me. I have to be willing to sojourn with God into the land of breakthrough. Unfortunately, we just say, here's where I am, God. I need you to put breakthrough where I am at right now. And God is drawing us out of the place that requires breakthrough. Let me, let me just try to break this down for you. If you need breakthrough right now, come on. That means where you're at right now is a place of bondage. 
If you need breakthrough right now in your finances, that means where you are is a place of lack. You can't say, I want to stay in the place of bondage and lack and have God make me prosperous. It doesn't work that way. you got to get drawn out of your place of bondage and needing of breakthrough into the land of milk and honey that God has for you. For some of us, the breakthrough we need is to see that God actually wants to bless us. The blessings is better than what you have right now. I'm in the market for a car. And in my life, I live a prophetic life. And so God speaks to me through every comfortable and uncomfortable situation in my life. And I set up my little budget on what I, what I want to spend on a car. And I went and looked for some cars that fit in my budget. And uh, I like to live without debt. I don't, I, I'm just, I, I'm just I, I hate debt. Amen. I hate debt. So I'm like, what can I buy? And they're like, well, you know, you get a payment. I'm like, well, I'll do the payment until I can afford a car. And I'll take the money that I saved in the payment by a car, right? So where I'm at right now, I'm uh, looking for a car, and I'm sitting in this car, and I'm like, well, I could buy this car debt-free. And I'm just looking at it, I'm like, hmm. I'm like, this is a little ratchety. I don't, I don't. And so God, God starts talking to me. God starts talking to me. He's like, that don't feel like a blessing, does it? I was like, no, nah, this don't feel like a blessing at all. He's like, this don't feel like someone who's been faithful to God in their finances, does it? I was like, this don't feel like that at all. He's like, how about you wait on me? I was like, all right, God, I'll just wait on you. I'll just wait on you. Now, I praise God, even though I haven't seen the breakthrough yet, but I know that God is in the midst of things. We just get, we just settle. Like, oh, I just get what the world has. That's fine. Oh, no, 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 no. That's not what you were made for. That's that you're a child of the living God. You, 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 you've been created in your father's image. When, when, when the world sees you, they see, they see your daddy because you made just in his image. That's why the devil hates you. He hates you because you look like your daddy. And if your daddy owns all the wealth of the earth, guess what? You don't have to stay broke. You don't have to stay in bondage because he doesn't kick the devil's butt time and time and time again. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to settle for bad friendships or bad relationships. You don't have to settle for any of that because you are blessed. You are blessed of the Lord. You are the blessed of the King. You are made. I am just going to drum this in your head the next several weeks until we recognize that we are the blessed of God. I'm just a, I'm a, I'm a, I just say, God, I am the landing zone for your blessing. Amen. I feel like people, if they bless you, they're blessing God. I am a good place to sow seed because whoever blesses me, God will bless. That's what the word says. I had to drum this in my wife's head for years. People would be like, oh, hey, we just want to bless you. Like, no, 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 that's all right. I'm like, baby, I'm good ground. I'm good ground. You gotta let I'm like, no, don't don't reject that. Like we are generous with our finances. We love blessing people. I love seeing people who have the anointing of God in their life and I sow into them. I do it all the time. I'm like, that's some good ground. I want to put some seed in that ground. I'm like, I'm but you are good ground. You are like anywhere you work, you know what? Blessed because you are there. And if they don't recognize it, you just move your little blessing on to where God wants to bless. Amen? Amen, 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 amen. Getting ahead of myself right now, though. The, the, the world throws all kind of lies about God and voices of condemnation and ridicule and because they, they got daddy issues. The world got daddy issues, and so they try to put those daddy issues on God, and we've passively heard because of our natural father maybe wasn't perfect. We start thinking that our daddy in heaven is not perfect and that that no no your father no matter how great he is i i i i used to disciple a young man years ago who uh who like he just talked about how, how great his dad is and he's like oh, i don't have any of these daddy issues and i was like man you know you've told me for years about how your father would scream at you how he just screams all the time at work and he screams and screams and screams which is it is your dad perfect or might you have some daddy issues? At what point are you going to get real and grow in your relationship with God by dealing with some of these things in your life that you refuse to look at? We got to we got to be honest with God. Like, man, I got some problems. Like, I understand you're trying to you're trying to honor your father, and that's that that's that's beautiful. But I see the same pattern in your life of frustration and anger and outbursts because you won't actually recognize that you're living in a place of bondage, and God is drawing you out into the true Father's love. No matter how good a father you are, God is better. He's a better father. 
And he wants to bless you. He wants to bless you with his love and with his life. He, this is the most exciting life in the world. Following Jesus is the most... I tell you what, there is no adventure like following Jesus. It is a wild ride. You're like, oh, church is so boring. Boy, you need to meet Jesus. Because I ain't never been bored with Jesus. Jesus will take you on a ride and a half and give you stories to tell forever. But we're going to look at our scriptures here real quick and before we, before we go. We're back here to Mark chapter 1. I want to show you some of these things, how God wants to bless you. <clears throat> this is, this is, I don't want to say it's difficult for me, that's not true. But I had, um, God had me teach on suffering well for so long, the last two years, so much in the last two years. I had a dude had come and he had a prophetic word for me. He's like, I think this might be a life word for you, uh, this teaching on suffering. I'm like, I'm just preaching the lectionary, bro. It's just uh, the Lord told me to preach a lectionary and I'm just, it's in the Bible. You just happen to be in church circles that don't actually teach all the word of God. You selectively preach what you like. This is what the Lord, Lord told me to follow the lectionary and there's so much suffering in it. We got a good theology of suffering. The problem is I got so good at teaching on suffering I, I, when God said, listen, I want you to teach none of that now. I just want you to talk about the blessing. I'm like, you want me to teach them how to walk in the blessing? Nope. You want me to teach them how they can stop the blessing? No. You want me to teach them how, how to, just the caveats to why they might not get it? Nope. <laughs> he said, just teach them about the blessing. I'm like, God, um, but what about these other things? He's like, you taught that. If they didn't get it, go back and listen. Now we're going to talk about the blessing. I'm like, Jesus, I will just listen and I will follow. They're like, oh, you're one of those health and wealth people? Well, I'm not a sickness and poverty kind of Christian. I know that much. You are freely allowed to have sickness and poverty if that's what you like. I like health and wealth personally. If I'm going to lean into something, I'm leaning into that. Amen? Amen. Let's look at the Gospel of, John, uh, Gospel of Mark. I'm sorry. Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 14. Let's take a look at this. I believe God has something for us in this scripture. It says, now after John was taken into custody... Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of God, saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Now the gospel, of course, is literally a word that means good news. I had a pastor, my first pastor, who say, the gospel of good news. I'm like, that doesn't... The good news of the gospel. I'm like, that's the good news of the good news. There's no other kind of good news than good news. But I understood what he was saying. Like, the gospel is good news. The gospel is not bad news. Sinners going to hell is not the gospel. I'm going to say it again. Sinners going to hell is not the good news. That is not good news. That should never make you happy. It should never make you excited. It should never bring joy in your heart. Any teaching on hell. The good news is that God has come by His Son, Jesus Christ, and He conquered death by being resurrected from the dead. And he's ascended to the right hand of the Father where He is making a place for you right now. And all you have to do is believe in the good news for it to be good news. Amen. Amen. That's good news right there. So he, Jesus came preaching this good news. How do we come into God's good news? Repent, believe. Repent and believe. We have to turn from where we were going before. Turn our value system turn our minds from the world's ways and turn our heart to God and His ways. That's it. Repent. Believe. Ah, what else, Pastor? No, no. That is the whole Gospel. If you repent from this world's belief system and you believe in the good news, God is going to save you. And now you get filled with the Spirit and you have access to heaven. And let me know, let you know in this season, God is drawing us out of the worship of this world. God is going to begin doing things in your heart in this season. I'm, I don't know if you know this, but I am prophesying over you in every single point that I have here in this message. Every message I put up here, God is drawing us out of worshiping this world. I am prophesying it over you. The things of this world that have, have a hook in your heart, the things that have brought depression and feelings of insecurity and lack and not measuring out, not measuring up, not coming up against other people and not being able to be compared to them. These things of insecurity and that you're not enough. God is drawing you out of that. God by His Spirit is drawing you. His, His grace is that force that works in the God atmosphere. And it gets hooked on to you. And He just begins 
pulling you, whether you like it or not. And I'm here to prophesy over you. He's drawing you out of the world's system right now. His Spirit is doing it. You're like, what do I do, Pastor? Just give in. Repent and believe the gospel. Just believe that he's beginning to do it. And all of a sudden, you'll see things begin to happen in your heart. Things they had to pull on you. You'll hear something. And you're like, oh, they done said this about you. You're like, eh, no, I'm not worshiping their opinion of me any longer. Something, it's, there's not a place here any longer. It's not, it's not in my heart. Oh, they done did this. Oh, that's, that's between you and them. I don't, I don't know. I'm going this way right here. I'm not, I don't, that, I'm not trying to get pulled into that gravity. I'm being pulled into God's gravity. You, you see what I'm saying right now? When, when they send a, when they send a, a, a thing to the, to the moon, they want to send a satellite to the moon, the first work that they have to do is break free of the earth's gravitational pull. Like it takes all this energy to get out of the gra- gravitational pull of the earth so it can get into the gravitational pull of the moon. And so many people don't recognize that there's a gravitational pull of this culture that has got you locked in. And God is saying, I got the power to pull you free of that gravitational pull to bring you into my orbit. So you circle around my blessing. So you keep coming around you and within you and beside you and before you, all around you. He is with you. See, this is, this is what God is doing right now in this season. He's pulling you out of that gravitational pull that drags you down into poverty and lack and depression and getting you into the gravitational pull. I feel like God is doing something right now right now. He's bringing you into the gravitational pull of God's blessing right now. This is what he's doing in your life. The worship of the world gets broken off of you. Let me get back in this word. I'll just preach all day long. Back into, back into Mark chapter 1 verse 16. Let's follow the story here. Oh, Jesus. Will you just thank him for a second? I just feel the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank, come on, just thank him just for a second. Hallelujah. Watch this. Watch this. Verse 16. Verse 16. Now Jesus is walking along the shore calling some people to him, right? Verse 16. As he was going along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. He said to them, follow me, and you will become fishers of people. That's pretty cool. Immediately they left their nets and followed. Verse 19. Here's what I want to focus on. Going on a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, who were also in the boat mending the nets. And he said to them, immediately, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself here. Immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in a boat with him, with his hired men, and went away to follow him. Now, Zebedee, we see, we we, we think of Jesus, and Jesus came to rescue those who were in in the margins. That's that's who Jesus came for. And so we start thinking, uh, uh, many people who aren't following God, they think that Jesus is like a good crutch for people who can't do life on their own, which is the funniest thing ever, to think that you can actually do life without Jesus is the funny part. Uh, but, but, but you think that, you know, it's people who maybe you went to jail or you need that because you're not educated or, or whatever. And, and so we think like, you know, the followers of Jesus are, are somehow lacking. And yes, Jesus absolutely loves the poor. He has a preferential option for the poor. That is who he is. But that's not all he came for. You, you see, he, he, Zebedee here was not some poor fisherman. He's not some guy out there on, the, on, the, on a boat hoping he can catch a fish for his family. Like, oh, we're going to starve today if God don't bring me a fish. That, that, that's not what happens. As we read the story here, it says that the brothers left Zebedee and the hired hands. That means he had a business. He had his sons were in, he had so many employees, he had sons help manage them. Right? So here was a here was a, a businessman who had employees, and his sons, uh, James and John, left his father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men, and they went and followed Jesus. Now, here were some men who were successful in life, but they recognized there's there's something in Jesus that that man, there's there's something there that I when Jesus called them, something in them resonated. I, I got the success of the world, but I'm missing something. What is it? And then Jesus comes along. Called their name and their heart. Resonated. I, 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 I need what He has. Many times when you get saved, you don't know why you got saved. Let's just be honest. We like to say there's a formula to it. That, oh, you recognize that you've sinned against God. and that you, 
I didn't recognize I sinned against God. You know what I recognized? I needed Jesus. I didn't know why I needed him. I, 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 it wasn't like I thought I was a terrible person. I, most sinners are prideful. They're not saved. How could they not be? And so, you know, you think your life is going great. I mean, I got some issues, but, you know, I'm pretty special, right? And then Jesus comes along, you're like, yeah, I don't know what, what that is, but I need that, right? That's, that is what I need right there. I need Jesus. That's why when you witness to people, don't tell them how terrible they are. That, that's not helpful. It's very hard to win people in a conversation when you're insulting them. I don't know if you've noticed that. If, you know, you find something like, I'd love to be a friend with that person. You got the ugliest car I've ever seen. And your wife, ooh, is that all you could get? That's not how we, that's, that's, that's not how it works, right? You say things like, hey, I got tickets to the game. Do you want to come? I got a group of friends who get together. Would you like to join us? You sound like, see, this is Jesus saying, I, I, what I got is pretty good. And uh, I think you might enjoy what I got. And so that's what Jesus did with me. He's just like, hey, Carl, you know. Um, I know your life is a hot mess. You don't recognize it yet. But um, something in you needs what I got. And you go there and you're like, oh, what I need is forgiveness. I didn't recognize that. What I actually need is my sins to be washed away. What I need is a little discernment because I didn't have as much as I thought I have. And so here's this James and John, son of Zebedee. Jesus comes along and says, hey, follow me. And they're like, I I need some of that. And what we're doing in our 21 days of prayer and fasting is this first full week we sanctified ourselves to just desire more of God. I hope you've been following along. I hope you read 1 John. Were you getting 1 John 1? Was it, was, it getting, was it provoking you at all? Was it drawing you? Were you like, man, I want to know Jesus like John did. That, that's, 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 that's what I want. And so very quickly, I'm, 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 I'm going longer than I intended here. I have a minute and 11 seconds left, but I'm probably going to take a little more than a minute in 10 seconds. Just give me a moment though. Isaiah, Isaiah said this is the fast that God calls. A fast to do the works of justice. The drawing us out. And, and, and this, this fasting is not like, oh, I'm so terrible. I, I don't deserve to eat. Right? That, that's not fasting. Fasting is not like you know, a hunger strike for God either. God, I'm not going to eat until you do what I want you to do. That's, that's not fasting. It's not some sort of punishment. Because we're bad Christians and we need forgiveness for our sins, so I need to suffer a little bit. Oh, God won't bless me until I'm miserable. That's a lie of the devil. That's not it. That's not where we're going. We're leaning into God's promises. So if we're leaning into those promises, why are we fasting? Because we are convinced that God has something better for us than what we have in our life right now. And something has to come out if we're going to get something in. If we want God to add something to our lives, we need to get something out of our lives. And this is what fasting is. I am setting apart this time. I'm creating a lack in my life that God can fill. You see what I'm saying? We're making a demand on the anointing saying, I'm not going to bring myself sustenance. I'm not going to bring myself entertainment. I'm not going to bring myself fulfillment so that you can fulfill me, so that you can sustain me, so that you can undergird me and give me the strength that I need in this season. Are you understand what I'm saying here? This is what we're doing. We've come to a sacred moment where we willingly give up what we have and let God fill the void. So Jesus calls James and John and they lay down what they had to get what Jesus had for them. They were already good. But they had to lay the good down to get the better. Jesus wasn't even resurrected yet. Yet they knew that the blessing was on Him. And they gladly left what they had to follow Him. People knew that Jesus was blessed. He wasn't even resurrected yet. You know, the story says that people were like, they, they just knew. Like, they said, I need to get my kid next to him. I just, I just want to, I can just imagine that Jesus would be sitting there and people would just get their baby and be like, I'm going to rub him on Jesus, get some Jesus on my baby. This is going to be good. The Bible says they would bring their kids to him. Like, John, what, uh, he's blessed. I need my kid to be blessed. I'm just going to get my kid around Jesus. If I just get my... If I can just get my kid around him, this crazy kid I got is going to be blessed. This is who Jesus was. And people just, they saw it. And I just believe that, like, I could see Jesus in the distance in his blessing. 
I just see it. I see, I see, his, I see his figure. And he's calling people like, come. Come. I have a new blessing for you. You may need to leave social media or leave some conversations or leave your safety net. God came to Abraham and told him, you're going to have to leave your father's land. Hebrews said that he was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. And as the saying goes, not everybody who's wandering is lost, right? I may not know exactly where I'm going, but I'm searching for the city that God has for me. We're trying to find that holy city, and it's only in the Spirit. It's in the household of God being fashioned for the dwelling of Holy Spirit. I'm being drawn out of the Spirit of this world to be a habitation of the Spirit of God. This is what's happening in this season. In the New Testament, we, we have the church, the household of God that represents the presence and power of God. In the Old Testament, they had the Ark of the Covenant. And you know the Ark had, we talked about this, Aaron's budded rod and the, and the manna and in the, in the Testament, the, 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 the first ten commandments. And wherever this was, it was, it was the presence. It, it, it was the presence of God. And, and it had been captured because uh, Israel had sinned and it had been taken away. And eventually... It was captured back from the Philistines, but they didn't make a place for the presence in God's holy city. And there was a city, there was a man named Obed-Edom who they just happened to have it at his house. Here's a guy who said, I'll make some room for the presence of God in my life. And you can read about this in Samuel. And he makes room for the presence of God at his house. And all of a sudden, Obed-Edom was blessed. Blessed beyond measure. Blessed so much that the king was like, he's blessed. He's blessed because the presence of God is in his home. He's like, and David's like, hmm. I might like to be blessed. Let me get the presence of God in my home. And so they, 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 in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 12, I actually have the scripture here. It says, now it was reported to King David saying, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belonged to him on account of the ark. And so David went, brought the ark of God up from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with joy, it says. Why joy? Because wherever it went, it was blessed. I'm telling you, I see the ark coming toward our houses right now. And I am joyfully looking for it to come. And the Bible goes on to say, And so it was that when, the ark, when those carrying the ark of the Lord marched six paces, he sacrificed an ox and a fatted steer. And David was dancing before the Lord with all his strength. And David was wearing a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel were brought up in the ark of the Lord with joyful shouting. And the sound of the trumpet. You see, David then made sacrifice. He said, I need the presence of God in my house, but i got to make room for it. I see the blessing over there. I need to make room for the blessing of God in my life. And I have to sacrifice some things that I have right now to create room for the ark to come into my life, the blessing to come into my life. So he set some things apart and said, I'm going, I know it's coming. I know it's coming. I'm setting this. I don't need this right now because God's going to fill that space right there. I have a faith in me. There's something in me that bears witness that God's joy is coming, His blessing is coming. And if this is resonating with you right now, I'm letting you know that the Holy Ghost is telling you there is something coming and God wants you to create a little bit of space in your life and I want you to receive it with joy. I'm not suffering through this fast. I'm not suffering through this time of devotion. I'm making room because God is coming into my life right now. I'm making a space for the blessing of God. Oh, no, clear that shelf off. Clear that table off over there. Uh, when you're having people over for dinner, at Thanksgiving, my mom likes to clear off all the things because they're going to be covered with food. She knows we're bringing a casserole and bringing some ham and bringing some potatoes and there's more potatoes, so many potatoes. I don't know why there's so many potatoes at my family gathering. I don't know what it is with so many potatoes, but she knows there's a blessing coming. I'm going to make some room for it. And I feel like God is challenging us right now. Make a little bit of room for the blessing of God in your life. Just try me in this. Try me in this. If you are faithful, watch me. Watch me bless you beyond what you could think or imagine. Come on, somebody. I feel, I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Let me get the band come up. That'll hurry me up. Hallelujah. In this time, God is... Huh, we're being drawn out of hiding and into community. <clears throat> Some of you are hidden. There's spiritual gifts in your life. You're like, I think oh, there's got to be more. Yes, he's calling you out of hiding into community. We're launching our, our life groups. And as Pastor Tracy and I were praying, we're like, what? What is the focus in the season? Because we knew God had something. 
We knew God had something. Like, oh. Life groups in this season have to be a place where people can be known. Where they have a place to talk and know one another. So that the gifts of God can flow through them to one another. We've had many classes in life groups, but I just feel like in this season we're going we're gonna to have community where people get to hear the voice of God through other people. This world, we're bombarded with testimonies regarding greed and selfishness, lust and pride. In life groups this semester, we're going to specialize in listening well. We're going to listen to one another. We're going to hear one another. We're going to speak to one another. And we're going to experience the power of community. Living in community is a countercultural spiritual formation. Paul was part of this young community in Antioch. As Jerusalem was struck, the church scattered and the church in Antioch was formed and Paul was there just doing his thing. And there were some leaders who got a grip on this. It says that there were some prophets and some teachers and they were fasting and praying. And the Holy Ghost spoke to them. And the Holy Ghost spoke through them. And He said, draw out Barnabas and Paul for the work which I have called them. The fasting that those leaders did in Antioch caused them to see these men according to their call, not according to the problems they had caused earlier. They lay hands on them and they sent them off. The Holy Spirit uttered that prophetic word through those prophets and teachers and began what can only be called the most significant missionary journey in the history of the church. Fasting is the natural, inevitable response to a person, of a person to a grievous, sacred moment in life. And these men recognize, man, there's got to be more than what we're seeing right now. We talked about these sons of Zebedee. They were, they were successful fishermen. They gave that up to follow Jesus. What happened with them? <clears throat> Jesus called these two young fishermen the sons of thunder. You remember these were the guys who wanted to call down fire on the Samaritan village who didn't recognize that they were the only way to God. But by His grace, He did a work in them. In Acts 12, we read about James. Herod was persecuting the church and he murdered James with the sword. But Zebedee had another boy named John. And John went on to be called John the Beloved who wrote the Gospel of John. He's credited with writing 1 John and 2 John and 3 John. and We've been reading in our devotion this week and Most scholars believe that he's the same John who was on the island of Patmos and an angel visited him and said, come up here. And instantly he was in the Spirit and wrote the book of Revelation to the 12 churches in Asia Minor. Who knows what's going to be unlocked for you in this season? Who knows what the presence of God is going to reveal as you make room for the Spirit in this season. Give me a little bit. The presence of God is going to unlock the mysteries in your life in this season. Come on, somebody. I don't know what God wants to do right now in your life. I don't know what He's calling you out of specifically, but I know that the Spirit of God is moving in this house right now, and He's calling Son of Zebedee, come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Stand with me if you would. Next week, we're going to talk about deliverance. And I believe God is going to do a work in some people's lives.
pray in the Spirit real soft. I just feel Holy Spirit about to draw some people in this thing. Yes, 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 yes. Jesus is walking along the shoreline right now, and for some of you, he's calling you. Follow me. Become a Christian. Become a disciple. You may have thought you were here for one reason, but the Holy Spirit brought you here for a whole different reason. He brought you here to draw you in to the kingdom of God, to get you saved, to wash you clean from your sin, so that you can be filled with the Spirit and fulfill the real call on your life today. Others of you, there is, there is bondage in your life that God is wanting you to have hope that he's going to set you free from. But for everybody in this room, God wants to draw you out of that place of lack into his prosperity. Lift your hands and worship him right now. Oh, Jesus, we do give you praise. Oh, we give you, oh, Jesus, we give you praise in the name of Jesus.